Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss how one company used a modern vision to disrupt a centuries-old industry, how technology makes it easier to listen to the voice of your customer, and how a credit card company optimizes for cardholder choice and convenience. Glasses, voices, and choices. Oh, my. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. Something happened recently, Dan, that hasn't happened since I was in seventh grade. Let me guess, you stayed out past curfew. (laughs) No, not at all. That actually happens pretty much every week. No, what happened is I got a pair of glasses. Oh, very nice, Joey. I actually got some new glasses too recently, but I'd love to hear your story because getting glasses can be quite the experience. It it was definitely an experience I haven't had in a long time. I started wearing contact lenses when I was in second grade and I had backup glasses for many years. But after junior high, I didn't get another new pair until a few weeks ago. And as luck would have it, the experience of getting glasses has improved pretty dramatically in the last, well, let's just say 30 plus years. I won't get into any more specifics on age other than that, but it's uh, it's gotten better. Uh, yes. In 30 years, I think the experience has changed quite a bit. And I'm going to ask you where you got your new glasses, but I have an idea just given that you're a customer experience guy where a guy like you might decide to get his glasses. But yeah, this, this probably isn't a huge surprise, but I went to Warby Park. Oh my gosh. Surprise, Chucker. Yeah, exactly. So I've been thinking about getting glasses for a while, just to even give my eyes a break from wearing contacts all the time and being on airplanes all the time. And I got to admit the Warby Parker experience was so compelling that while I was in the store, I kind of went into the store thinking I'd kick tires, so to speak. But while I was in the store, I was like, I need to get a pair. And what I thought was pretty fascinating is the experience started from the fact that I believe that Warby Parker is set up for success. And what I mean for that by that is that the design of the store contributes to their overall experience. So I don't know, have you ever been in a Warby Parker retail outlet, Dan? I actually have not. No, I've seen okay, the website so, only. Yeah. So here in Boulder, they actually have a physical store. And what's really cool is it's designed as a retail space. So prior to this, my typical eyeglasses experience had been the add-on room at the eye doctor that was clearly an afterthought that was not set up with any type of merchandising or retailing you know, expertise at all. And it was more like a hey, we have some shelves with some glasses and they're all basically the same. Just get a pair. Was this back in the 1980s? Back in the day. day. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. 
And then, so, and because like I said, I haven't had glasses in ages. So they also have a great location. It's right on Pearl Street, which is like the main drag in Boulder where everybody goes. We had had lunch. We decided to stop by on our way afterwards, Barrett and the boys and I. And they have this great kind of self-service or assisted service. So you can try on the glasses you want or the representative will kind of show you around and help you find glasses. They have every style and multiple color combinations easily arranged and searchable by your style or the color. They've got round glasses, square glasses, cat eye glasses, you name it. They've got it all there. And just the whole setup was a very, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, modern retail experience. So they, they already had me there. Yeah, it's funny that you're describing it this way because I just recently had a, a retail glasses experience. And I think what's interesting is that this definitely depends on the shopper. So I see what you're saying that that's that you know that having all those selections and everything is terrific to be right there. I actually found the the process recently very overwhelming because I wanted to be like just give me a pair of glasses that I can put on my face and get out of here. And <laughs> you know and I, and I ended up trying on about 9 pairs and and the lady's like, "Well, we have some over here." I'm like, "No, 9 will be enough. I can pick from 9, you know." Well, that's so funny <laughs> cuz this place had a kajillion pairs and I probably tried on 3. And I was like, yep, these are the ones. Well, see, if you know what yeah. you want, then that's good. Yeah. Well, I just, I think it's, I like just to make, in some areas, just make quick decisions. But what I also thought was great is they acknowledged the customer. And by the customer, I mean the fact that I was there getting glasses, my wife was getting glasses, but we also had my five-year-old and my three-year-old. And they were all about entertaining and distracting the kids. We walked in, we've got the kids, the kids have just had lunch, so they're pretty cool, but they're like, oh, we're going shopping for glasses, we don't need glasses, what's going on? And one of the reps came over right away and said, would you like some coloring books? And they actually had Warby Parker mini coloring books and a bench for the kids to color on with some colors. Now, we'll include some of these in the show notes over at experiencethisshow.com. But it was a really kind of easy, basic, fold-out coloring sheet that had a couple different panels. And as a result, my kids sat down and colored and my wife and I were free to try on glasses, which was awesome. They also made the ordering and upsells really easy. We placed the order in the store with the rep taking our details on a tablet, easily upsold us to a thinner lens based on the prescription size with what I thought was one of the best lines I've heard in sales in a while. It was like, yeah, and I'm guessing you're not going to want the Coke bottle glasses. So do you want to pay $95 more to have the thinner glass set that'll make them like regular glasses? even though your prescription is stronger. And I was like, yes. So we have two varieties. I will. Dorky and not dorky. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, and I immediately reverted back to, you know, glasses in grade school and was like, oh my gosh, not the thick ones. Yeah. Something thinner and more elegant would be lovely. That's great. I love the sense of humor there and sort of the understanding of people's insecurities around things like that. It is kind of nice when, when somebody can kind of just come out and, and say it how it is, you know, tell it like it is. I think customers, I know I do certainly appreciate that, that kind of honesty and being upfront. Yeah, I agree. And it brought a little levity to it and it literally doubled the price of the glasses. And I had no problem with that. I was just like, yep, let's avoid that. But like many times we talk about- I ain't paying for dork. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But But what I thought was interesting is like many times we talk about on the show, the sales experience- is better than the once you become a customer experience. With Warby Parker, that is not the case. So we placed the order, we left the store, and they said, your glasses will arrive in eight to 10 days. Good news is they arrived eight days later. 
great packaging. I mean, I got the box. I knew exactly what it was, very nicely branded. But where I got fun is when I opened up the box it came in. Inside was a glasses travel case, kind of, I don't know if it's leather or faux leather, but, you know, kind of a nice touch. And in Blazant, when you open it up on the inside lid, it says, nice to see you, which is kind of a funny little obviously, right? And they have a cleaning cloth with the Warby Parker story in a hundred words. A hundred words. Hey, you're the first hundred days guy, so you must have really liked that. Let's just say it did not go unnoticed. I thought this story was great. So here's the story, just a hundred words, right? Once upon a time, a young man left his glasses on an airplane. He tried to buy new glasses, but new glasses were expensive. Why is it so hard to buy stylish glasses without spending a fortune on them, he wondered. He returned to school and told his friends. We should start a company to sell amazing glasses for non-insane prices, said one. We should make shopping for glasses fun, said another. We should distribute a pair of glasses to someone in need for every pair sold, said a third. Eureka, Warby Parker was born. Now, what I loved about this is when you have glasses, you're going to use something to clean them off. And if they give you the little cleaning case or the little cleaning cloth, most brands would put their logo all over it and brand it. Ruby Parker took the time to tell their story. So now every time I pull that cloth out, I'm reminded, oh, these are stylish without being expensive. They're low price, but shopping for them was fun. They also gave a pair of glasses to someone because I bought the glasses from them. So they reinforced their brand messaging in the packaging and in an element of the packaging, which I will continue to keep with me going forward. Yeah, I love that. And I love that it's not in your face advertising. It's an interesting story and it's uh, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're trying to sell you on anything. It actually kind of reminds me of a story that I wrote about in my book uh, about a uh, pizza and brewery owner in Indiana called Scotty's Brewhouse. And Scotty created a card that he asked all of his employees to keep with them at all times. And it basically listed all of the kind of beliefs of the restaurant chain about being nice to people and about asking the customers if they needed anything more and whatever. And it was just done in this really nice way, but it was this subtle reminder that was always with them. And I think similarly, as you say, when you wear glasses, that cleaner is always going to be with you. And so it's a constant reminder. Absolutely. Now, certainly, folks, our listeners, I came to the Warby Parker experience a little later than most. The company's been around for a while. I mean, it's over a billion dollar business now that clearly has built a fantastic brand and reputation and customer experience in the process. What I love is that from the first touch point until the last, the experience has left me excited and happy. And in fact, I'm going to be able to see new customer experiences so much more clearly now. It's shocking how often people use 38 words to describe something when two would do the trick. We're looking at you, lawyers and accountants. Words matter, and there is no excuse for trying to hide what you mean. We explore words and messaging in this next iteration of Say What? As our loyal listeners know, in Season 3, we're going to be working with our friends at Cytel Group to bring you some fantastic customer experience research and to share some new ideas around brand loyalty and engagement building. 
And we're super excited that our work together is going to culminate with a live audience recording of Experience This at Cytel's Empower CX event in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on April 9th and 10th. And we're excited to take the show on the road and hopefully see you there if you want to get tickets. Folks, folks, they're free. The tickets are free. Come hang out with us. It'll be fun. Free tickets, people. Come to explore.citel.com slash experience this. Scroll down to the register now button on the bottom of the page and you can get all set up. Don't worry. We will share that link again in the show notes at www.experiencethisshow.com. Episode 60. Indeed. And by the way, if you come, not only will you get to see a live episode of the show, but I'm going to do a presentation, one that I don't usually do or don't often do. So it's about the future of customer experience. It'll be a lot of fun. Dan's going to be doing two breakouts, I think, two different sessions. So come hang out with us. It'll be a lot of fun. But I digress. One of our recent conversations with the team at Cytel was all about how advances in technology are changing the landscape. You know, we've all heard the, oh, the robots are going to take all of our jobs. And what's interesting is that is not Cytel's philosophy at all. Cytel's philosophy is we can use technology to actually enhance the work that employees working in customer experience can actually do and the things they can deliver for customers. And in one ways they've been doing that is the recording of calls that come into a call center and then using that captured speech from those recordings to do high-level analytics. Now, not only can these recordings be used for training and educational purposes within the organization, but by applying the Cytel Insights and their call miner tool, they actually can do some really interesting high-level assessment on the captured data, which is what we found interesting about their product and about this offering. So, for example, one of the things that they can measure is silence. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Did you see what we did there? Yeah, your your podcast app is still working. <laughs> it was just me that found it humorous. I was like, hey, Dan, after you say silence, let's be quiet. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Thanks for humoring us. Yeah, I can't believe I agreed to that, Joey. But hey, but by measuring the percentage of the call that is silence, we can actually measure the level of customer attentiveness. I found this really fascinating, I have to admit, because I never thought about measuring the pauses, measuring the silence, and the idea that lots of times when you're, because I've been in the call center environment where you're dealing with an irate customer, or even just a customer that's trying to figure something out, and everybody's talking. They're talking, the call center rep's talking. By measuring silence, what Cytel's actually figured out is that it shows that the things the rep is saying are thoughtful enough that it's giving the customer pause or that the things the customers say, the rep is being quiet and processing, which makes the customer feel like they're actually being heard. Yeah, I think this is really interesting too. And I want to go back to something you said earlier, because I think it's really important, which is that I don't believe that technology and robots are going to take over call centers entirely. And I think the reason for that is that there are so many people that still want to talk to humans and have a human experience. But what computers can do is really help assist the human. And in this case, it's about making the human more efficient and effective at their work, which ends up providing a better experience for the customer on the other end. But it's not meant to become the human or to replace the customer service agent. Indeed. And I think where 
they actually take it to the next level is by being able to do this at scale, it allows for better training of the call center reps. So for example, one of the abilities that the call miner tool has is to monitor and evaluate 100% of calls. Now, this used to be incredibly time intensive and laborious. You would have to record the calls and then managers would have to sit and listen and sift through calls. And most companies could never even come close to evaluating 100% of their calls because of the sheer volume. They would have to have the man, they would have to have as many managers as they did employees to listen to all the calls. But now using analytics, they have a much clearer and broader view of the calls than ever before. So it gives them the chance to mine the data. No pun intended, call miner, to figure out, okay, what are the things that are happening within the call and how can they use those things to better train and reinforce certain uh, behaviors and scripts and uh, attitudes with their call center reps while also pulling out data on what the customers are saying to be able to identify problem areas or issues that are going on. Yeah, and what I love about that, Joey, is that you know the reason I became interested in social customer service early on was because it was a text-based service, which meant that it was more easily analyzed than the telephone. And it was a lot easier for companies to figure out, hey, this is a consistent problem that people are complaining about, or you know, this is something that we're doing particularly well, we should be doing more of it. That's always been very difficult to do on the phone. And I think that being able to translate what in some cases for a lot of companies can be millions of phone calls a year into text and make it analyzable is so important to finding out why are people calling in order to reduce calls. And and we've talked about this before, but one of the best ways to lower your customer service expense is to reduce those customer pain points and to get rid of them. So yes, it's important to handle each customer individually and to solve their problem. But it's also important to realize that you know for every customer that calls in, there's usually a whole bunch more that are having the same problem and are not calling in. And so going to that root cause and fixing the, the problem is what really starts to drive the efficiency in the call center. Well, and if your use of the word analyzable in the last section there wasn't impressive enough, the technology also can figure out escalation language and empathy and politeness and measure these things and track them and figure out like who are the most polite reps in our call center and who displays the most empathy. And then they can take uh, sentiment intent and direct specific calls to those reps based on those pre-identified skill sets. I mean, think about the way this data can be used. I mean, you can predict churn risk. You can predict sales effectiveness. You can do a better job of training your reps. I mean, this helps the customer, but it also helps with the employee experience as well. And doing this type of analysis works incredibly well and quickly. So we had the chance to check out some of the data from organizations using this tool. And they found that with one customer, within the first three months of implementation, upsell rates increased by 37%, while average hold time was reduced by almost 10%. And performance against service goals rose from 79% to 130%. Not a bad result from being quiet and just listening better. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. 
Can you believe that this just happened? Dan, I have a bit of a personal question. Are you okay with us talking about a credit card company that isn't Discover Card? <laughs> That's a great one, Joey. Yes, I, I did work at Discover for almost 10 years, but I, it is okay for me to talk about other credit cards. It's like Dan asking me if it's okay to talk about an airline other than Delta. You know what I mean? Which is, we got to get it out there. Well, the reason I ask is because I recently lost my American Express credit card. Wah, and, wah, yeah, exactly. It was, it, was, it was not that big of a deal. I, you know, I it was just... It was what it was. It was not a big deal at all. And I knew it and I knew it right away. And it's not like it was stolen or anything. But I called in to get a replacement because I like to talk to human beings. I know I'm weird that way as opposed to doing it online. And the representative I talked to was great. They asked why I was replacing the card. Did I lose it or was it stolen or did I think it had been hacked or compromised? And I was like, no, no, it's just, you know, user error. It, my own idiocy, if you will. That's a beautiful word. Idiocy, idiocy, but okay. Idiocy. Nah, it depends on where you're from. You say potato, I say potato. Um, <laughs> it's a Colorado. <laughs> that's a Colorado. Yeah, let's let's not get into that. But long story short, long story short, they quickly issued me a new one. They were like, yeah, no problem. We'll take care of this. We'll ship it out. You'll have it like in two days, super fast. They then offered to stop any charges that might have appeared on my account. And I was like, great, really appreciate it. But again, wasn't compromised, wasn't lost. I actually, in the interest of full disclosure, I didn't say this to them, but I'll say this on the show. I think I lost it in the house. I just don't know where it is. Like my, <laughs> my, my son may have the card. I just, it was no longer where it always was in my wallet. And I hadn't been out using it. So I was like, I just need to solve this problem. Long story short, I then asked if there was a way that I could keep my monthly bill twos and subscriptions going because I have a couple things that auto bill to my Amex, which they said, oh, yeah, we can absolutely do that, too, even though they were issuing me a new number. Now, here's what was interesting. It is awesome that Amex has the capability to do that, that they don't make me go back and figure out all the places where I have auto subscriptions because this was a card I used for my business. I didn't have to go back and figure all that out. But the opportunity that they kind of missed, I thought, was they could have asked me if I wanted that before I asked for it. And so my big takeaway is having the capability is only part of the customer experience. Making sure that your customers know that you have the capability is the other part of the customer experience. And I think all too often businesses spend a lot of time developing these really cool features and functionalities and capabilities, and then they market it and it's on the website. But if you've been a customer for a long time, like I've been with Amex for, geez, since the 90s, early 90s, I don't pay attention to the new features they're rolling out, right? I'm a loyal cardholder. I'm not changing. I'm there. So as they've added new capabilities telling me when they've got me on the phone in a use case where I might be able to take advantage of one of those capabilities would be a lot better than me having to do a little bit of a fishing expedition to see if they did have it or not. Yeah, well, first, I can tell you with insider knowledge that that capability is very impressive. It's very difficult to do. It seems like it should be easy, but there's so many connection points with different vendors and everybody's got different systems and point of sale and what have you that it can be quite difficult. So I think it's great that they're offering that. And I agree with you that it is an opportunity for them, at least on the phone call, to have sort of proactively asked you or even just told you, hey, don't worry about any 
recurring bills will take care of it for you and and not even have you ask. I think I think that's a, a definite opportunity. It's interesting that you brought up Amex because I actually had a really interesting and very good experience with them as well recently. I realized that I had a card that I had not used in a very long time. It was like the, <laughs> literally the sock drawer card, right? Nice. And uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Dan Gingis experience. Dan Gingis has a sock drawer credit card. That's your you're high roller, buddy. Uh, you see, I love it. That's you, impressive. When you it's your emergency card, right? It's the backup card. Not, the card that- not even. It was when I worked in the credit card industry, I, I had to get all of the competition. And so I probably got an MX card at some point and forgot to cancel it. And, and it just, you know, I didn't use it. So I went online to see if I could cancel it online, which is like, ha ha, right. You know, like, of course, they're going to make you call so that they can cross sell you and upsell you and convince you not to call. Well, I could not believe it, but I got to the site and there was actually a choice that was fairly easy to find that was cancel your card. And I was like, no way, impossible. This is going to be like a hundred clicks. I hit cancel my card. It said, are you sure you want to cancel your card? I said, yes. And it said, okay, your card's canceled. I was like, what? Like, I don't have to give you my firstborn. You're not going to ask me 50 questions. You're not going to send me to a retention expert. Like, nothing. And and we've talked on this show before about how the beginning of the experience and the end of the experience are so important and how it's so important to when, when you end an experience with a customer to still send them away smiling because... You know they're going to come on a podcast and talk about how great you are, even though they're not your customer anymore. And that's exactly how I felt about Amex. I held them in such higher esteem because I just wanted to cancel, and they let me cancel, and they didn't give me any hassle. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I love that. I love that, and it reiterates a point that we've made on the show before. As you said, you know, folks, if they want to leave, let them leave. Really. They will be happy that you were so gracious. And who knows, maybe even talk about it on a podcast. Since we're talking about credit cards, there's one more other credit card thing that I came across not too long ago. My friend Katya Andreessen, who is the head of customer experience at Capital One, was doing a presentation at South by Southwest where she explained that, you know, normally when you get a credit card in the mail, it has that sticker across it that says, oh, call this number to activate your credit card. And the reason they do that is so that if the credit card gets lost or intercepted in the mail, nobody does fraudulent charges on your account. Well, what Capital One did is they created a tool in their app that allows you to lock and unlock your credit card. So like if your credit card is stolen or you fear that it might be compromised or your kids have it and they're doing charges they shouldn't, you can lock it with the app and then unlock it later. But as a new functionality, they were trying to figure out how to get more customers to use this. So what they did is they activated all the credit cards. Then they locked them in the app. Then they mailed it to the customer with instructions to download the app and unlock it themselves. So they taught the customer how to use the functionality as part of their onboarding process, which I think is kind of a nice tie into all of these things that we're talking about. It's like, okay, how do you create the capability and the functionality? That's awesome. But then how do you teach your customers about it? Well, make it fun, make it part of the experience, make it part of the operation of the business. So two things funny about that example. The first is, is that Discover actually came out with that technology first. <laughs> and I, wow, amazing <laughs> Discover. I knew we'd get back to Discover somehow. And only because I 
was there when it happened. It was a product called Freeze It. But the other thing is that that's exactly the technology that you needed when you lost your Amex card in your house. Because you didn't, totally. didn't really and, and here's the deal. Card. My Amex exactly. And here's the deal. Amex may have that capability. I just don't know. And again, I'm a loyal customer. I'm a regular customer. And I and I want to be clear, folks who are listening, especially some of our newer listeners, because we know we've got some new folks listening to the show today. We normally only talk about positive customer experiences. And I want to be very clear. I love Amex. I'm a loyal customer. I use their card. of my charges go through Amex. In fact, I will throw down Amex even when they say they don't take Amex just to see if I can get them to take it, right? I am loyal. I just find that the very best companies are doing great customer experience and want to polish the edges. And that's what I'd love to see as an opportunity for many companies is just going that extra step to anticipate all the things that are going on for that customer when they call in with a need Try to anticipate the questions or the needs they have before they have to ask for Absolutely. Them. And the Cap One example is perfect with that, right? Because it's one thing to tell people that you have this great functionality, but to actually almost make them use it in order to experience it for the first time, I think is brilliant. And they probably have more customers using it than most of their competitors by doing that. So great examples in the credit card industry one that I love talking about. And I think it gives us a lot to think about in terms of, as Joey said, polishing the edges and just looking for opportunities where you can make the experience that much better and that much more memorable. We've talked. You've listened. Now it's time to act. There are many things you could do to take what you've learned in this episode and implement it. But at times, that can feel overwhelming. Instead, why not just focus on three takeaways? Takeaway number one, is every phase of your customer journey filled with remarkable moments? From the first exposure to your product or service offering, are you committed to creating a remarkable experience? Do you consider your primary and secondary customers? Does your packaging continue your brand story as your interactions with customers become more passive or secondary? How can you Warby Parkerify your customer journey to create magical moments every step of the way? Well, we are really creating new words in this in this episode today. This is a giant Warby episode of Say What. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Takeaway number two: Are you really listening to your customers? Are you taking advantage of technology like CallMiner to record, transcribe, and analyze the phone conversations you have with your customers? The more data you track, the more you can analyze. The more data you analyze, the easier it is to make fact-based decisions on employee performance and customer satisfaction. It also makes it easier to predict what is going to happen in the future. Takeaway number three. Are you considering what your customers might want if they knew to ask for it? Do you have offerings, capabilities, and functionalities that are available to your customers if they ask, but not otherwise offered? Why are you holding back? How could you anticipate what they might need and ask them about it before they ask you? Is there a way to introduce new capabilities by making it part of the onboarding process? What can you do to serve your customers even better by stepping into their shoes to anticipate the things they might not ask for themselves? And those are the three takeaways for this episode. 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Experience This. But before we sign off, would you do us a little favor? We'd love to have more people get exposure to the show so that hopefully we can continue our mission to raise the bar on customer experience around the world. To that end, could you share your favorite piece of Experience This content with a friend or a colleague or a family member or or on social media so that more people can learn about the Experience This show? We'd love it if you could join us in our mission to spread the word about positive customer experiences, and we appreciate you making some time to help us do just that. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This! We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.